listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Paranorman. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here to talk about this movie with you and Christian McCransky. Oh, oh, I'm a tree. <laughs> I just got to do this one more time. Thing. This is the last time, I promise, but I'll get to your name in due course. The last and time, I bet. Time. I don't know. Hey, maybe I'll try that. That's from the watch. It's the the best part of the watch. Uh, and uh, with a tagline for Paranorman, Kelly Wand. Oh, you mean a Paranormetch phrase? Do taglines now have like I like how this? I don't know. Since I started doing that, you started getting a lot pickier about the, the phrase. So I should. I feel if you can give it a special title, it's got to be good. If it's just a tagline, it can be a throwaway reference. So if you want to set up expectations. No, I want to lower them. So what do I do? I forgot. Just say, hey, it's a tagline for Paranormal. Yeah, tagline for the movie. There you go. Hey, what do you call the hero of this movie and the next president of the United States while they're jumping out of Air Force One together? <laughs> Paramormons. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I guess the hero's not one, though, so that joke doesn't work. That was quite a stretch, Kelly Wand. The, the idea that Romney would win the election. <laughs> no, Obama's the para-nesident. What? <laughs> Kelly Wand, let me handle the politics on this part. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, math expert. We'll get to that in a second. But first, Dingus, without spoiling anything in Paranorman, because maybe folks are listening who, who are still going to see it, or they don't want to know any plot twists. So don't spoil anything, Dingus, but tell, us, tell folks a little bit about what we saw this week. <laughs> All right. Well, this week we saw Paranorman, mm. a 2012 3D stop motion animation adventure horror movie mm. about so a. Oh, oops. Just animation then about a misunderstood boy who is misunderstood. It was directed by Chris Butler and Sam Fell and written by Chris Butler. It has Anna Kendrick, Casey Affleck. <laughs> Jadel Furland. Yes. Oh. Tucker Albrizzi. What? Um. And Cody Smith McPhee. Oh, mm. yeah. Mm. Doing voices in it. He's Australian. Uh, right. Why would you leave out Leslie Mann, first of all, and John Goodman? Dingus, I think you're biased. He opened with well, That's because I didn't want to have to mention Jeff Garland, but thanks for Ooh, making yeah, me do I that. Did, yeah, I'd rather you not do that as well. Uh, Dingus. <sighs> So many things to be upset at Dingus for. <laughs> Bad Dingus. Paranorman is rated PG. Mm. For scary action and images, thematic elements, some rude humor, and language. Okay. Rude humor. Uh, yeah, all right. So Paranorman uh, opened at $14 million. It was in third place behind uh, Expendables 2 and Born Legacy. Uh, not bad, uh, the animation good. studio. Uh, it's not bad considering that it doesn't have any big names. It's it's not a franchise. Uh, Coraline, which was their first movie, opened at $16 million, so it's not as Yay. big as Coraline uh, as far as its opening weekend. Uh, on Metacritic, which is the average of all reviews that use some sort of a rating system, a numerical rating system or a letter grade or what have you, uh, Paranorman right now is at 73 so that's its average rating. <laughs> that's what everything is now. It's a nice safe area, it's I guess. August, yeah. yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes, however, slightly different story, which gauges the percentage of reviews that are positive, 
Paranorman has 87% positive reviews. And that's actually very good on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, that Wouldn't it be yeah. more precise if uh-huh. we just rated stuff from 1 to infinity? <laughs> what would you on that scale give Paranorman? Uh, all right. Uh, here's here's some scale. If a cheese spread was 900,000, we'd know okay. it was poison. Okay. And I'd give Paranorman... Eleven million. So it will not it will not give you digestive issues if you watch it. Oh wait, according no, to yeah, your rating scale. Okay, I give it a nine thousand. <laughs> a nine thousand. So nine hundred thousand is bad cheese. Nine thousand is paranormal. Wow, Kellywan, that's harsh. Way harsher than Metacritic, with its seventy three. Depends on what you're looking for. That's true. Right yeah, now. yeah, exactly. What do you what do you want in your in your cartoon movies? Uh, but before we talk about whether or not Paranorman worked for us, Kelly Wand, why don't you go ahead and spoil it now? If you haven't seen Paranorman, I'm going to warn you that Kelly Wand is going to give away everything that happens when he gives us a blow-by-blow breakdown of the plot. Kelly Wand, would that be a fair assessment of what you're going to do? Is that is that the best thing to call it, a blow-by-blow breakdown? Oh, you mean a paranormopsoriasis? <laughs> <laughs> I know people who've had that. That's not a laughing matter. Yeah, they got it from cheese spread. I'm <laughs> Tom. Yes, whatever you just said, yeah, Kelly Wand, I want one of those. Yeah, right whatever you're talking about. All right, now it's a paranopsis. you got to talk like grown-ups. This is the internet. Uh, it's not a kid's movie, right, exactly. No, it's not a kid's movie. It's about dead people. It's rated PG. It's got, it's got thematic issues, I think Dingus said. And thematic elements. Elements and language issues. It doesn't have themes, but it has the elements that can be combined into themes. And thank goodness, I just want to say... R rating. And I just want to say, thank goodness there is no teen smoking in this movie. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? It's child-proof? No. The whole family can enjoy it without having to explain to their kids afterwards smoking is bad. Right. And you only see like a couple of glasses of wine in a barely in like in a, a shot. Oh, that's right. But there is there is a suggestion in that scene that there will be sex later. Mm. Fortunately, yep. kids probably don't pick up on that. So so Kelly Wan, why don't you give us Parasaurosis uh, right <laughs> Wait, Alvin and Paranorman were drinking wine? There's a shot where, for whatever random reason, there's a couple yeah. having a, a dinner with wine and and the, the parents. The, when no, the says, van, no, no, they're, we, that's right, we don't know if it's a married couple, we don't know if they're, uh, what they're... Oh, yeah, yeah. And the van rolls down the window behind them, rolls through paths the window in the background, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get that. Spoiler, by the way. <laughs> now back to the penumbra versus Rock and roll. <laughs> Meet Norman, a kid who's a real zero. He's not just milk toast. he can speak to the dead. Loser! Cool kids talk to the living, but we know that deep down he's cool because he watches zombie movies on TV with his grandma, who has to ask him what's going on because she's nearsighted even in death. She cackles shit like, I could be up in heaven frolicking with your grandpa, but I always hated him and they don't have canasta up there, so I get to stay with you forever and ever. Yeah, Norman sighs glumly. I get it. Granny goes on and on. Yep, I promised him I'd look after you, especially on your wedding night. Not that you have any love interest in this movie, unless the smart girl who never does anything counts. Damn these prunes. (laughs) Then she shits ectoplasm all over the sofa. 
Norman sighs and goes to his room and tries to discover masturbation, but Granny floats up through the floor and offers him some hard candy and starts talking about murder, she wrote, so he doesn't get much done. Uh, why? Says Question. Norman. Yeah, there's some acting involved in tonight's offering. Meanwhile, the town of Paraville is celebrating the proud historic 300th anniversary since the town elders burned a little girl at the stake for doing telekinesis, which I guess doesn't work against stakes. Since no other events have transpired in the town ever since, the kids pay homage to this patriotic instance of institutionalized child murder in the school play every year. <laughs> Although it's only seen as the one where some Quaker Oats guys read her verdict. I guess they did it outside since the fat kid plays a tree. Walking home from school, <laughs> the fat kid accosts Paranorman and goes, Hi, I'm the fat kid character. I'm also stupid and gassy. I'm infatuated with boogers. I'm derivative, a leper, and left-handed. <laughs> We've never talked before, but everyone always makes fun of you for not having seen Sixth Sense. So I've suddenly decided we should be friends. Uh, fuck. Come over to my house. I'll show you how fun it is to have an over-talkative constant companion besides the obvious human shield perks. When they get there, they don't have video games or TV or weed, so the fat kid tries to teach Paranorman how to throw a stick. I don't know, Norman whines. I've never used my arms before. Plus, your dead dog can't physically pick it up. Isn't that being kind of dickish to him? Plus, isn't that how he died in the first place, you throwing a stick in the street? The fat kid farts and says something dumb. Norman sighs and thinks, even after he dies, I'll have to listen to him. Then he tries to kill the fat kid with the stick by ricocheting it off his eye, but fails. Sidebar. At this point during my screening, I turned to the empty seat beside me and told it, See, Timmy, Paranorman's not good at making dead people, only at listening to exposition said by them in 3D. I then turned around, hoping that the kids who've been kicking my chair ever since the movie started will think I'm talking to the ghost of a dead kid in the empty seat and start screaming in addition to kicking my chair. But the little fuckers are asleep. They're sleep-kicking me. Aw. There's also another fat, semi-retarded character kid character named Alvin, but he's a bully. He scrawls words like freak on Paranorman's locker. Then after Paranorman windexes it off, Alvin replaces his last draft with, Dear Paranorman, erasing my last message with Windex was both hurtful and unnecessary. My locker's just across the locker bay. It wouldn't kill you to spray paint bully or Alvin's a butthole on it every once in a while. <laughs> If you think maybe hashing these issues out on the phone would be constructive, please don't hesitate to message me on Xbox Live at Alvin Cockripper33. Not my actual last name, BTW. It's really Cockripper with a QU because I'm part Canadian. My foster niece's side. An interesting story in itself. Anyway, enough of my yakking. Good times, bro. Lates. Paranorman erases all that, too. A locker's not a toy. He goes to play rehearsal class. Sorry, I fucked that up. He goes to play rehearsal class. But while the old lady teacher's saying stuff, the stage gets haunted. So he screams and falls off stage and passes out. He has a vision that he'll see exposition later on. One kid's all, ha ha, that kid just zoned out instead of listening to our fat, boring teacher. What poor tolerance for boredom. <laughs> 
The kids and teacher all laugh and jeer at Paranorman, who's lying in a spreading pool of blood in the orchestra pit. His dad stops videotaping, stands up, and starts doing a slow clap. <laughs> oh, I wish I was watching this movie. Guess it wasn't a rehearsal after all, it was the actual play. Sidebar, speaking of paranormalities, my horoscope the other morning advised me to relax. I just want to say, hey, stars. Thanks, man. On the way home, the pirate captain from Tintin accosts them. He's a bum who lives at the top of the hill in the fight club section of town. This dude's Norman's uncle, apparently, although neither parent ever references him or gives a shit when he dies. Paranorman's uncle's all, hi, kid. Yeah, so you can see and talk to ghosts. And although everybody can see zombies, you hear modern English when zombies from the 1720s moan, which I guess means zombies are articulate, but only to you. Witches, on the other hand, can change weather and make faces out of clouds but can't speak English to townspeople, or vice versa. Actually, witches may be telepathic, but also only to you. Trust me, you won't care. Also, people and dogs and parrots only become ghosts if they have issues or die violently. Overall, that's determined. Norman's all, wow, what a convoluted afterlife for a kid's movie. Also, what about Grandma? She didn't die violently and doesn't have issues, unless you count her obsession with rifling my sister's dresser for pictures of teenage boys. The uncle's all, look, I gotta get going. I'll explain the rest later from a toilet bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Say hi to whatever your parents I'm related to, and tell them not to worry about funeral arrangements. My house stinks anyway. As he staggers off, the fat kid's all, wow, and I thought I smelled bad. Who was that anyway? And Kate Beckinsale's all, I'm his wife. Paranorman, as more LSD trips, makes Pooh joke to Alvin after a restroom explodes because his uncle's ghost thought the school plumbing system would be the most efficient route to Paranorman's current whereabouts. Didn't the lizard do that, too? Although Alvin did listen to Paranorman carry on a one-sided conversation with the ghost in the adjoining stall, I'd expect Alvin to have appraised Paranorman in a new light after what gives every appearance of having put a cherry bomb in the toilet. But Alvin has bigger fish to fry goth crumping on a gymnasium mat in the middle of the street. But when Paranorman bikes past and breaks up his flow, he decides he has smaller fish to fry after all, calls off the date so he can beat up a shrimpy kid in a condemned house. His uncle's poo ghost told Paranorman he has to go to his house and take a book, a useless book, it turns out, from his corpse's hands, because when you die, what you're holding in your hands doesn't come with you, just your clothes, or in 13 Ghosts, the mom's hospital gown and IV drip. Getting the book from his uncle's cold, dead fingers proves challenging. Too bad Paranorman didn't see Winter's Bone. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Uh, uh, it's a long wait for that. But Alvin then shows up to do nothing. But some Quaker oat zombies claw their way out of the earth. I guess they all died at the same time and were buried together and had no families. They have stuff to tell Paranorman, but since it's not the end of the movie yet... They just moan and do nothing. They're like fish out of water. But if you've seen Beasts of the Southern Wild, less horrifying. Alien abductions. The ship always has a map. To quote the exploding head in Prometheus, try harder. (laughs) I could have written that better. But anyway, meanwhile, Anna Kendrick goes to look for Paranorman by going door to door and pointing out how much he sucks. But she's all hubba hubba when a guy in her age range and no cranium, but with CG muscles, opens the door. Anna Kendrick says stuff. He's all, hey, fat kid who took a shine to Norman and is also my brother. You're not in there jerking off to mom doing aerobics again. (laughs) 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 That's what I heard. I heard that line right. 
Mom's aerobic tape. Yeah, mom's aerobic tape does not mean it's aerobic tape of mom. It's of mom. That's her. It's a DVD. It's a DVD. And why do they have the same ass? Anyway. <laughs> Who? The mom and the fat kid. And Chet. Or Mitch. What's his name? Chet. <laughs> Chet works. Yeah. Chet is perfect. Oh, Chet. Uh, the fat kid... Are you jerking off to mom doing aerobics again? Fat kids all know. Just one frame of her ass, so aerobic singular. Then he laughs, farts, jizzes, and shits his pants all at once. Paranorman's even less popular than him. Sidebar. Bigfoot? Oh, one never got hit by a car? Next. I also don't believe in the ludicrous existence of mummies, midgets, or stagecoaches. After a five-minute car chase, Paranorman gets struck by witch lightning while the town tries to kill the Quaker Oats guys, and then, for no particular reason, the kids. Luckily, Anna Kendrick tricks the crowd by talking and them watching her and the other teenagers holding hands, which convinces them it's the end of the movie. Paranorman... (laughs) Paranorman tricks the witch, whose powers and motivation are somewhat ill-defined, by platform jumping across her floating CG and telling her the story of her own life which puts her to sleep so she can die again. Looks like Paranorman's real superpower is improvising psychobabble that applies to everyone despite 300 years of cultural parallax. You're welcome, kids. Sidebar, in RL, the actual Salem witch trials were for about grown-ups getting burned alive because some fucking kids made up stories because they thought it'd be funny. From my enlightened 2012 vantage point, I can see both sides. For boring a witch to sleep, Paranormans hailed by family and townsfolk alike as the greatest franchise ever. The fat kid's all, wow, Norman just saved the whole town from not killing a couple of zombies. And I got to watch all that not happen. Yippee. The dad's all, I'm proud of you, son. Talking to dead people's super useful if there's a curse involved. Alvin's all, good work, dude. Sharing your feelings is awesome after all. Anna Kendrick's love interest, Mitch, turns out to be blind. I mean gay. <laughs> Uh, he ends. <laughs> Go out on a sidebar. Uh, all right. Uh, who here saw Monster House? Anyone but me? Which one's that? No. Uh, no. Is it all right. live action? No, Monster House. I don't even know what studio it was. I, I think it, it was a. It, was it the Cloudy with Meatballs guy? I don't know. Monster House is uh, another animated horror kids thing that I wanted to bring up in relation to Paranorman, but I'll just table that for the time being. Uh, all right, did, were you guys as bored as I was with this movie? Mostly. You were bored? I was yeah, bored and angry, but I'm, why did you bring up Monster House and, and reference Cloudy, which I wanted to, and then drop it? Oh, well, I didn't know. You guys haven't seen Monster House. I, I haven't seen Cloudy with Meatballs because I still don't oh, know okay. what it is, and, and I think of that as... In my mind, Cloudy with Meatballs is like a food-related movie, like Ratatouille, which I wasn't yeah. crazy about. So I, I've never seen that, and I keep meaning to. But Monster House, I kept thinking of while watching uh, Paranorman, because it has a lot of similarities. The misunderstood kid, the fat sidekick, the scary thing. Uh, and then it goes off in this sense of adventure with just enough menace and just enough humor. Like It strikes a really good balance. It's really well-paced. Uh, and I just kept thinking how Monster House did everything right that Paranorman just can't quite get. Uh, I was so frustrated. You, you mentioned angry, Dingus, but I, I think I was just bored and just really frustrated with this, thinking I could be watching a better movie like Monster House or like Brave or certainly like Coraline, which this, this studio did beforehand with the help of Henry Selleck, who's 
input was, was missing here. I mean, I didn't feel like there was much of a creative hand here from a storytelling perspective. So, uh, I, yeah, but mainly just bored. Dingus, why did Paranorman make you angry? Um, angry might be too strong a word because there were there was a time in the beginning of this movie where I really wanted to like it, and then it just kicked me in the nuts, and I started to hate it. Did it kick you in and the nut, Dingus? It, it kicked me in the nuts. Um, and then I just got mad because it just turned into this series of gags and it just didn't seem to have any heart at all. And I, I didn't understand that because, you know, you kept warning us. I have to give you credit. You kept warning us that it's, it's not, you know, they keep saying Coraline, but it's not. And, um, I went in just being so hopeful and until a certain point in this movie, I was still giving it the benefit of the doubt. And then I just started to get really annoyed Annoyed's probably better than than uh, I wouldn't say I was bored as so much as annoyed. Okay, Kelly, one. What adjectives come to mind for you when you recall watching Paranorman? Uh, Paralame. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> um, the moment I broke up with it was when Paranorman's uncle's ghost exploded the toilet, and then Paranorman told Alvin, well, "I want to give that a minute," because I thought that was out of character. I go, oh. "Wow." He says that. That's way in, like too far in, you think? You had a longer relationship. You guys broke up way after Homeroom. Uh, <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> uh, there were, I mean, there, there were a bunch of just out-of-character gags like that. And they're just yeah. like, it seemed like, Lazy. hey, somebody was like, let's put a gag here, you know? We need something to make people laugh. Uh, uh, Remember after I saw Brave, I liked it more after I thought about it. This movie made me like Brave even more than I already was liking Brave more. So thank you, Paranormal. Appreciate that. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's just, you know, it just goes to show how much, you know, when you have a, a studio like Pixar that isn't just technically skilled, but narratively skilled. Like, I loved the animation in this. I loved the process yeah. of it. I liked the look of some of it, even though I thought it was a weird choice to have so many of the characters look... Um, I guess ugly is the word that comes to mind. I mean, there's just really a bunch of ugly, exaggerated people as far as, like, how they do the characters, and I thought that was an odd choice. But technically, I really love what Leica, that's the name of the studio, what they do. And I love the, some of the visuals, and there were some great shots. But just from a storytelling perspective, just what a piece of just uninspired just folder all. Like, there was nothing there. And Very it just, corporate. <sighs> Corporate, like I, if it was slicker, I would say corporate. But I, mm. I just felt like it just had no strong narrative guidance or vision, or um, like even something corporate, Kelly Wand. I would expect to be more, I guess, consistent or polished. But this just had scenes that I was like, why is this scene in here? You know, yeah. like the gags. Why are they doing this gag? Why is there just this long sequence of him walking down a hall? Uh, you, you know, pick up the pacing here. You know, yeah. this is this should be a movie that should keep kids entertained and it should be wowing adults and, you know, it should look great and it should be snappy. And uh, I, I just I wasn't sure what they were doing. Um, here's where I w- wanted to to really stay with it. I wanted to give this movie the benefit of the doubt early on because of the way it opens with showing us that zombie movie and showing us that feature presentation title card, which is exactly how something like Planet Terror opens. You know, it it opens with a nod to the horror movies of the 70s and the 80s. And I love that. You know, that's the stuff that I grew up with. So I see that and I think, okay, 
this is going to be a story told by people who, you know, they know my childhood. They know the stuff that freaked me out as a kid that I still like to watch. Great. You know, this is a movie for me. And that stuff then promptly went nowhere. Every now and then during some of the zombie scenes, they would do this kind of keyboardy music, like from the 70s and 80s. Like, because John Bryan, who did, uh, who's worked with P.T. Anderson and does the great soundscape in, um, in Punch Drunk Love, he did the music for this. So at some point, John Bryan even knew, hey, we're going to do a nod to 70s horror movies with this John Carpenter-esque keyboardy stuff. Um, so, so some of that, I was like, yeah, this is great, this is, this is for me, but they did nothing with that. And where that really frustrated me is I think back to Iron Giant, which opened yeah. with the same kind of thing, but it was a nod to 50s horror. And that's what Iron Giant is all about, is this like giant robot stuff about the Cold War, about you know these giant monster movies. Um, like Iron Giant knows the debt that it owes to those 50s movies. It takes place in the 50s, you know, and it plays to people who remember and like those movies. And yet this opens with a nod to 70s and 80s movies, but does nothing with it, doesn't seem to understand it. Uh, and that was just so frustrating to me. Yeah, that's a good point, because the witch stuff doesn't have anything to do with yeah. the 70s. <laughs> it's, it's about Puritans burning a little girl. Like, what movie is that referencing? Hammer horror? I'm hammer know. horror. <laughs> but nothing. It's not referencing. I mean, that's it's the thing. Nothing, it's, yeah. uh, it's all over the map. Yeah, it is for, all over the map. For me, it's it's that, that opening just is totally reminiscent of Iron Giant, but then the character's just not afraid of anything. Like, uh, yeah. like the character in Iron Giant is afraid when he goes to bed, but this character isn't afraid of anything. He's not afraid of uh, these ghosts. He's not afraid of dead people. He's not afraid of bullies until uh, all of a sudden later on he's kind of afraid of a corpse. I don't know what to do with this character. I mean, Kelly Wan references slick corporate movies, but what do you do with this character? What is he? See, I thought they were going to go early on for this idea of, you know, a, a lonely kid in a, in a rundown town. Like, they had the sense of him walking through a dead town. And I was thinking, oh, this is like a contemporary statement on, like, the, the, the Rust Belt. You know, he's in Detroit or something like that. This is a dead town. It's going oh, to be about, nice. it's gonna be like about an economic downturn. And yet he sees through it. Like, he sees beyond this and into the past. When he's walking down the street and there's the Civil War soldier and then the 50s hipster, I was like, this is great fodder for a story, you know, and tie it into you know the death of middle america or whatever uh there's there's cool stuff in store and and then nothing uh they don't do yeah, anything you never see that. those ghosts again you never see right. the dog yeah, there's again. there's there's no rules for that as far as right. when he see go sees ghosts and doesn't and when we see them because because we see his grandma right at the beginning and then we don't see any of the ghosts he's doing in that walk and at the beginning of that walk i was kind of willing to forgive that i really liked his walk down that street where he's He's talking to ghosts he can't see, and then the camera does that pan around him, and then we see them, and, and Tom referenced those different ghosts, and it just feels like a bunch of gags. Yeah. And they never get – there's never any payoff. He never has any other interaction with get, with those ghosts. They never have anything to offer, even in lies, that, that could help him. It's just like, we're just going to drop this. Yeah, and, and if I it just, was – go ahead, Dingus. Yeah. No, no, it's just that I, I, that's when I broke up with the movie. When, when he was walking down the street talking to those ghosts and they weren't there, I was kind of like, oh, this is weird. 
what's going to go on here? And then it rotates around, and it's just a bunch of gags. And I was just, oh, oh no. And if this was a Pixar movie, or if this was more corporate or polished, that would eventually come around. Uh, it's like it's like early on they show that great blimp footage and up. And then there's a payoff for that stuff. Like, okay. like that would be setting the stage for something cool that would happen later, and no such thing happens in Paranorman. It's like they forget about it. I want to clarify what I mean by corporate, because oh. an example what I'm talking about is, like, mm-hmm. in the third act, when Paranorman is suddenly saying all this shit to Agatha, like, they were afraid that your fears, like, he's just spelling shit out, and that's, like, the kind of thing that <laughs> yeah. you have to write, because suits don't get that if you try to indirectly, say, like... Right. They go, wait, shouldn't you be saying, no, they were scared, so they had to do their thing. And you start, it's like, it's all just, you're spelled out right in front of you. It's very obvious, yeah. Right. And, well, so here's wow. also what, um, like, I, I came through Paranorman, and I think what I saw, I can't really tell, like, was this supposed to be a, about bullying? I didn't understand that none of the virtues in this movie made sense to me or weren't undercut by other things that happened in the movie. But yeah, that's the only thing I remember. It is, it is about bullying, but... But she's but a bully? Like, that's the, equivalent to what they did? Like, they burn her alive, so she's her. She's bullying them back by making them come back to want But her. in the middle of the movie, he says, there's always going to be bullies, there's nothing you can do about it. So if that's the message of the movie, he totally undercuts it halfway through. Well, I will see. Oh, if that's I was that kid talking. Like if I was this no, 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 no. That's parent. That's Norman talking. He says there's nothing you can do about it. Right. And if well, I was the, no, maybe it is the fat kid. I don't he's know. getting. He, he's learning. He's wrong about that. And that's just, well. I think the, if I was the suit, and if I and I, I think this was laid out pretty obviously, is the idea isn't that you can't get rid of bullies. It's how you respond to bullies. It's how it, it's basically teaching kids don't wreak vengeance <laughs> like it's sort of like just that's a shitty message you know it, it's it, you say it is kelly Wan, I, I think that i i don't necessarily think it is like i think that could be a valuable yes. thing to tell kids um but i just don't feel this movie does it very well uh and after having playing? and after having come from a movie brave which teaches mm. which wants to tell kids hey, you know what, your parents love you even though you may not understand that. Like, like That's such an awesome message to teach kids, and it does it in such this cool, subversive way. Or even Coraline, which teaches you, you know what, you may not appreciate, you may think your parents are square and boring and dull and that's not what you want, but be careful, you know, what you wish for can be dangerous. Like, 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 like expecting, like a world where you just follow your expectations and your desires is is not a good world. Uh, like I love how subversive that is in Coraline, um, and and so I kind of feel like I would I in theory I love the idea of a movie for kids saying you know what if you get bullied don't just turn around and take it out on someone else you know what just just sort of accept it forgive people like forgive bullies like I think that would be a cool subversive message. To tell in a kids movie, and I, I just, I, it was just kind of muddled here. I didn't really get it. It didn't come together well. Uh, and in this, the, the mm-hmm. comparing the parent uh, stuff in Brave to this, it's like the dad says, yeah, he basically says, equivalent, we wish you were never born. And then the mom like kind of retcons it into, oh, he's just, he means that in a nice way. And then the dad never fucking helps him. Like, it's never... Well, she doesn't either. I mean, that's no, the I thing. Know. I mean, the sucks. parents are awful in this. Yeah, awful. And at the end, the mom's, like, kissing him, and, he's, and he says, oh, you're embarrassing me. And she says, that's my job. And I, I was kind of like, fuck you. Where were you yeah. for the last 10 years of this kid's life? <laughs> yeah. And, and now you get to swoop in and kiss him all over his face? I mean, he's needed they help all this time. 
Uh, Dingus, you bristled at, uh, at bringing up Jeff Garland, which you're probably Jeff Garland. Because I don't, I don't know if it's that I've heard him on a number of podcasts, and so it just sounds like Jeff Garland doing Jeff Garland. Uh, I didn't buy him for a moment. I, I guess part of it is this, oh, the the dad who's not going to brook this chain, the son who is slightly different. I'm just not going to put up with that. I, I just didn't like that. I, it's just, it's nothing. It does nothing. The parents are nothing in this. I, I mean, I like Leslie Mann. I like what she tries to do with the character. Uh, I like the sister Courtney much more. I just don't know what what the hell we're supposed to do with these parents. There's especially the dad. The dad is just this. Uh, I'm not going to put up with this rah, 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 until the end when my dad my, when my son does something nice and now I'm right behind you, son. Well, you should be kicked in the nuts. <laughs> in the nuts, kick him in the nuts, Dingus. Sorry, the nuts. There's an opportunity for a gag that you missed, Dingus. Paranorman would never uh, skip that. So, uh, you know, I mentioned the animation, the characters being kind of ugly and caricatures. That applies from a story perspective as well, now that I I think of it, the way you guys are talking about the parents. And even the ditzy uh, Casey Affleck guy. And uh, Because you liked some of the stuff that they were doing with Courtney, but I just thought that was just all kind of just superficial caricature stuff. And so when it comes time for her to take his hand and kind of... Ugh. defend him from the townspeople like i i, I it it just felt, you know i and i had Her no lips. idea so did you guys know going in because i did not know the voice actors except for jeff garland who i'm with you dingus that drives me crazy hearing him uh i didn't know did you guys know the voice actors as you were watching no i i picked up on casey affleck early and that made me actually perk up a little bit because it, it sounds like him. It sounds like him doing the doing something weird, and that made me excited about the movie because that doesn't look like him. And I was I was I was kind of excited. I had no idea it was Anna Kendrick all the way through, um, and I think it kind of responded to even though that that gay thing at the end is is just a stupid gag, another stupid gag. Uh, I just liked Casey Affleck. I, I I like hearing his voice, and I like that he was doing that voice. Uh, I usually, I, I hate identifying voices. I hate having to identify voices in these movies. It drives me up the wall. But for once, Casey Affleck kind of was, I don't know, a lifesaver that I could grab onto in, in the pool. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to grab onto Casey Affleck in the pool. All you right, Dingus. Yeah, with those abs, you better believe it. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, how did you feel about uh, the star of Let Me In, Cody Smith-McPhee, in the lead? Um, is he Australian? <laughs> yeah, him and uh, him and Sam Worthington and uh, Christian Bale, all Australians, and Paul Walker. Uh, what about Anna Paquin? <laughs> it's like holding up a negative, the negative side of a magnet to charisma. I don't know what goes on. What's what's up? Dingus, don't be mean. He's a kid. Yeah, come I on. Apologize. I really apologize. He keeps getting work too. So what? Do, what do you? Him and I want to see a buddy movie, or you know what? I want to see a heartwarming tale of redemption and courage with Cody Smith McPhee and Sam Worthington playing father and son. Which one's which? Where they overcome <laughs> adversity. <laughs> it could be a time travel movie, and they could switch it around. Uh, see, Kelly Wan, see what I've done? A grandson paradox. What do you think of that? Uh, yeah. they do. He kills the grandson because he misread. Paradox. I can, I can yeah, see the wheels are turning, Kelly Wan. Run with that, definitely. 
That's uh, a great movie, Juan. <laughs> Get on that. You know what else? Another virtue espoused in Paranorman that annoys me, and I'm getting sick of it in kids' movies. Yeah. It keeps coming. It's like, why do you got to be friends with the other misfit kid? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you just that? shun him as well? Yeah, well, because not every misfit's awesome. Like a lot of, there's like a couple winners and a whole lot of losers, just like every other one. And then you become like, there's this chick I know, she's like always helping crazy people. It's like a noble impulse, but she always gets in over her head. It's like I had to go to the post office, screaming at my, screaming at the cops. It's like she's a crazy person hoarder. She's never helped the less fortunate. So. Well, what about uh, what what about like in Super Eight when one of the other misfits is going to direct you in a horror movie? That guy's not a misfit. Is he not? Was he not He's a misfit? In Super Eight. All right, maybe I'm equating uh, like body. There's seven of them. Is there a difference between a misfit and a misfat? Dingus, they should have used that in Paranorman. That was good. I like that. <laughs> so, uh, Tom, hold yes. on a second. Yes. You. you you liked the uh, the animation in this, and I found it really frustrating. And I don't know if it's because I was at a cheap theater because I'm on the road, um, but it looked so dark and sm- it didn't it didn't look clean to me. And Coraline is is so clean and bright, and and I and I went back and watched. I know this is going to make you groan, but I went back and watched Oh Wallace and Gromit, and I love how oh, clean that looks. Oh and, God. See, I know. Uh, there's only one shot in this movie that I really, really liked, and I'm curious to hear you describe some of the things, some of the at least some of the visuals you really liked in this, because so much of it, it just, I, I didn't think the animation was any good, and you, and that's something that you actually really liked, and so I'm well, really interested in hearing you talk about it. It's more the process, just because everything is so, you know, and even when Pixar does it well, like it, it the CGing of stuff, and and I don't know, I mean, technically, I guess some Pixar, like his Incredibles, hand drawn, or I, I don't really know how all that works, like what the difference is between like hand drawn, like like what's that Disney Tangled, for instance, isn't that? At any rate, to me, it all looks like great and just artistic, and I don't, I couldn't care less if computers are involved. But when I see stop motion stuff like this, uh, I really like that process. You know, as, as a fan of Nightmare Before Christmas and certainly Coraline, um, I, I just love knowing that there's an actual physical puppet being manipulated. Uh, I, I just like that process. You know, I like the way that it looks visually different from CG and hand drawn animation. Uh, so there were a few shots here of him, uh, like him on his bike. There was some of that stuff that was pretty cool. Uh, I liked some of the shots of the swirling witch clouds coming together. I actually kind of liked the sequence with uh, with Jodell Furland at the end, even though I didn't know it was her. Like I liked some of that that witch stuff, the 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 boss battle with the witch. Uh, I liked the visuals of him just sitting with the little girl under the big tree at the end when they have the conversation. Um, uh, so it's, I guess it's just that I'm a sucker for, for stop motion animation stuff. Um, but did I, you, you know stay, what? did you stay past the credits? Oh no. What did I miss? Uh, it, it, you didn't miss anything, uh, related to the story or anything, but there's just this cute little animation of them creating the Norman doll and, and putting, putting it together and then pouring the mold and then making him sit up and stand up and walk across the animation table. So I, I agree with you that I really like the way that that stop motion animation stuff works. Um, just the way that, that these character models were for me made me feel like I could I could stomach this in a short like La Luna, but I for some reason it just I just couldn't take it for the whole of this movie because of the way it was filmed. 
Well, it's certainly uh, with you in terms of the character design. Like I said, I thought they were like weird and ugly and caricatures. Like like Norman himself, I didn't understand. Like with those weird square eyebrows and the hair thrusting straight up and the ears sticking out. Like I think I understand what they were going for, but nowhere near as visually appealing as the similarly similarly awkward Coraline. Right. Like she, and I don't know if that's just because of is it Dakota Fanning or Elle Fanning who's Coraline? Which Fanning girl is the voice? Oh, good Lord, I don't know. Is it Alpha? Anyway, they're sure both... It's a Fanning? No, no, I'm positive but, it's a Fanning. They're both... I, I like both actresses, but, but one of them is Coraline, and she just does a great job giving voice to the character, and the animators do a great job, and I like both of the parents, and certainly the Terry Hatcher, both the regular mom and the other mom, the way she becomes a villain. There's just some amazing, fantastic character design in Coraline, and I don't feel that any of that really is in Paranorman, where I didn't understand what they were trying to do. It's also creepier in Coraline. There and, this, is, and this, it should be creepier than it is. Yeah, yeah. Like there's in this, it just looked like some kind of weird caricature thing from like Mad Magazine or something. Like we don't really mean it, kind of. Well, there's such a great contrast in Coraline. I mean, here you have Norman has this weird hexagonal look to his pupils. I don't know why that is. And his sister has perfectly round ones. And and Norman goes into this other world. He travels through time, through his hallucinations, or whatever you want to call them, which I think you could have done a lot with, but you don't really, it just sort of falls flat. Right. And then Coraline has two different worlds that are really important to the story into what her character has to choose to do. And this this movie just wants to borrow from that and borrow from so many other movies. Bad Santa and and, and Coraline and other movies and just never goes anywhere with it. And like Tom said, you don't you don't know part of it is is frustrating and what what is annoying and almost angering for me is I'm sitting there trying to interpret why why does he have angles on his pupils and then I have to think they don't know these two guys who wrote the, the guy who wrote this doesn't know shut up uh, by the way one of the things that I appreciate about Monster House is I think Monster House did a uh, not to the degree that Robert Zemeckis did it in like Polar Express or Beowulf, but I think Monster House shot actual footage with real kids and then drew over it. I don't know if that's technically called rotoscoping. I don't know what the process is technically called, uh, but it's a whole different process. And you know, it uses the expressiveness of the characters and the way they move based on the way the real actors move. And I think that brought a lot to Monster House that, that recommends it. And I don't think they had hexagonal pupils, Dingus, so you should be safe. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I'm glad you brought Monster House again because the one thing I wanted to talk about, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, mm-hmm. is that it it that movie understands how to use a group psychology or that mob dynamic in a way that makes sense for the story instead of just as a goofy uh, gag that doesn't really go anywhere and is is shouted down. That's one of the things that's great about Cloudy is is how there's this whole group psychology thing that happens throughout that movie. Have you seen that, Kelly Wand? No, I thought what you did. I don't see movies where they mix weather and food. There's no relationship between things that grow and the weather. God. That's just absurd. Who would see such a thing? Awesome. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you know who Jodell Furland is? Uh, she's the one who played the little kid witch girl? Yeah, yeah, or... but do you know who she is like outside of uh, Paranorman? Like, have you seen Tideland? Oh, that's who that is. 
Ah. You, you have seen Tideland? Yeah. Tell you I'm proud of you. Normally I would expect to say something like that, and you would say, I don't see movies about phenomena related to the No, Tideland's the only movie I've seen. Because it, it meets all my criteria. It's the only <laughs> one. Have you seen Cabin in the Woods? Nah. <laughs> I watched it at home. JK. Uh, what was the stupid question? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, you, I don't so care you, you have not seen Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. All right. Uh, uh, I watch people watching it and get bored. Like, uh, the in the wrong, and cheese. Want to turn around and look at the screen. You're, you're no, it's like an eclipse. Videos. It's too much, Tom. <laughs> uh, what was you guys' audience like? Did you have? Do you have kids that seem to be enjoying it? Or because I was in a yeah. nearly empty theater on a Sunday night, and I kids are uh, all at Expendables at your theater. <laughs> I actually almost uh, was going to segue from um, this to either Expendables two or Hope Springs. Oof. Oh wait, I wish you'd done Hope Springs. Yeah, wait, why did you go oof, Dingus? I can't. I no. which why one? Are you going, yeah, which one? Hope Springs. I can't stand the idea of seeing that. Why? You're the one who's always going to bed. Oh, Meryl Streep is so good. Yes. Someday that's going to be you, and you're going to wish that movie. It's going to be like. Do you remember when we saw that uh, fantastic Mr. Fox movie, and how Dingus would not shut up about Meryl Streep being one of the the animated dolls in that movie? Do you remember Dingus doing that? If what I think is fantastic, Mr. Fox, better not be. Wait, what? what? We saw that with Dingus? We didn't see that with Dingus. No, we did a podcast on it, and Dingus is like, Meryl Streep is great as a puppet. Oh, Meryl Streep is a puppet. Oh, I love seeing Meryl Streep do the voice. Yeah, that is how he talks. Fox puppet was Meryl Streep. It was awesome. And now he's all going on because he doesn't want to see her in a movie about human sensuality. Oh. She fucked uh, George Clooney on the other one, though. One, two, three, not only oh. you and me, no. one eighty does three, oh, one in between, counting one, two, three, 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 Parrot Normetheus. That's all. Now back to what you're saying. Right. Well, let's do a three by three. Kelly One, this was your three by three. I would think you would be excited. Yeah. What What are we going to do as a three by three this week? Three movies about the wrong character, which I found kind of hard. It seemed fun when I said it, but mm-hmm. then doing it, I lost interest. So, <laughs> all right, so we won't. Said. <laughs> so we won't expect much from you this week, Kelly Wand. I have a good candidate. Oh, let's get yeah. Okay, so before we, uh, rather than play it over the closing music, uh, what is your can anecdote this week? Uh, wait, I don't have it yet. Never mind. <laughs> what happened to the candidate? Did it's, it? It's happening in real time. All right, all right. I'll tell you. I was talking to a friend of the podcast, uh, Sarah Butterworth, and she's talking about eggs or something. And she's all that was the same year my grandma's leg fell off. And I went, uh, and she's all, yeah, she fell and broke her leg, and the cast got infected, so they'd amputate it. And I go, yeah. oh, is her name Eileen? And then she stared at me, and she went, it's Irene. <laughs> it's true. I, she's Canadian, so I that's... Many inappropriate things you might be able to say after that, Kelly Wan. Did you say any of I didn't them? ask if she was Asian. I know I, that what you were thinking. Nope. That was your joke, wasn't it? Nope. Racist. Nope, not at all. <laughs> that did not even occur to me. All right. 
I also threw a Coke can into the non-recyclable trash can Ooh. at the mall. Ooh. And an old Chinese lady glared at me, so I flashed my badge and I went, it's okay, I'm an American. And then she walked away. Oh, they give you guys badges in Canada, do they? Yeah, I don't really use my stinking badge. <laughs> All right. Terrible. Uh, Kelly Wand. Oh, yeah, but back to the 3 by 3 Yes. I'm sorry. It's three movies about the wrong character. It's a character in the movie, but it's not enough about them. In which case, it makes the list. But if it's too much about them, I may vote you off. All right. Well, uh, I hope you'll be a fair and impartial judge. We'll see how that goes. I just want to get it over with, so that's a point in your favor. All right. Well, let's let's jump right into it. Dingus, you are first uh, because you are introducing next week's 3x3. Three three. What is your number three choice for, what is it, great, wrong, mo- wrong character <laughs> is in the movie? Wait, the movie is about Listen. the wrong character. Yes, Kelly you, wanted to, you wanted to steal this topic from me, so now don't pretend you can't get the words in the right order. Now, why do you think you made some reference last week about thinking you were sneaking this from me? Why Why do you think that this... Because when I mentioned it right? during the podcast, you went, oh, yeah. And then I went, oh, he wants it. I better play this card before he uses it. You know, he wasn't that'll... talking to you. He was talking to Shadowcat. <laughs> yeah. How do you know to whom that was directed, Kelly Wand? Wait, are you saying that... You no, no, see, I like this. I like this three by three. Uh, I don't know not about enough my to steal it. Yeah, well, now it's uh, it's it's been put on the table. It is now. It will forever be known as a Kelly Wand three by three. All right. So, uh, Dingus, how did that. you feel about this? And what was your number three pick? I felt great about it. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't. I don't. I didn't give it enough thought. Unfortunately, oh, I went with. My early my early ideas, and uh, when I'm on the road, I don't have time to do that kind of thing, so it's unfortunate. All right, so Dingus, you uh, you just kind of bunted. Yep. All right, or what's I your... bunted. I'm not sure what. Luckily, I Midnight I, oh. Run only has two characters in it, so... <laughs> look, look, I kicked it 100 yards. Is that a line from Dark Knight Rises? Yep. Uh, oh, also, my father-in-law told me a Canada joke. This week, should we Wait, say that? This, the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. an appropriate time. Yeah. So, uh, is it? Does it involve a woman's leg falling off? That, it does not. <laughs> okay, then I think. But we're but, but he's he's uh, uh, he does these grandpa jokes, and he's kind of guy who'll sidle up to you and go, "Hey, there was this guy. I, you know, I have this friend. He'll just like start talking to you as if he's starting a conversation, and it turns out to be a joke." So this is kind of like that. Wait, if you've already ruined it for a stranger, he just comes up to strangers and goes, "Hey, there's this guy over here." Yeah, he does that. Well, Dingus, you have completely ruined his shtick by announcing in advance that it's a joke. Yeah, well, he can't pose as a grandpa to us, because we know him. Well, well, this is how he started this one. He said, there's these three guys who live way up north, and they decided we need to name this country. So that's not really that that shit, that kind of shtick. But in normal jokes, it's like, yeah, so this, there was this one the guy who, and he said, blah, blah, blah. But for this, he just said, there's these three guys who lived way up north, right. and they said, we need to name this country. And one of them said, okay, let's name it, and we're just going to each say a letter. And the, the first one goes, okay, uh, uh, I'm going to come up with C, A. And the other one says, uh, yeah, how about N, A? And the other one goes, how about D, A? Uh, so CAD would have been the name of it. <laughs> That's the joke, right? Huh. I don't get it. Huh. It seems Tom thoughts. 
You're a. You're that an makes me want to watch. Uh, what's the Bob and Doug movie? Great White North Strange movie. Brew. Strange Brew. Yes, that makes me want to see Strange Brew again to get really good Canada-related humor for a change. I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> Dingus, what is your number three pick? And is it Strange Brew, by the way, of uh, the characters that a movie should not? Should yeah, that be movie about... should have been about the McKenzie brothers. <laughs> it should have been about Darth Vader. Canada. All right, Dingus, so what do you got for us, considering that you have uh, slap-shotted this week's topic, uh, rather than going for the goal Five line? Hole. Wait, keep going. <laughs> That's all I got. Oh. Tom, let's play. Right, the, the problem I have with this topic is that I don't know what, if the problem is the actor and not necessarily the character in my choices. Mm. Uh, and I think that largely, at least for two of them, it's the actor that's the problem and not the character. Uh, luckily, the uh, the character it should be about in both cases is played by the same actor. Whoa, and, wait a minute. Uh, wait, start all over. I wasn't listening. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's fairly bold. All right. Uh, it's not fairly bold because, because like a few weeks ago when Kelly Wand first threatened this topic i said that we should just make uh, a topic about this one actor's movies um so my first choice is a movie called the mechanic oh you know what this because uh, as runners up i was gonna say pretty much any movie with and then i was gonna say this actor's name the thing is you didn't right. see the mechanic first of all oh yes i did why did you see the mechanic uh because I don't know. Somebody told me I, it's one of those things where I just yeah, it's Ben Foster and it's Ben Foster's character in in the mechanic. Because um, I love his first kill in that movie. Like I love that whole scene. So well, I love saw. him. Why? You... Yes, Kelly I love Wong. him altogether in this, and I love him as a character. What were we gonna say, Kelly? I was just wondering why Tom was. You saw the mechanic, but he saw it. Well, I see all kinds of crappy stuff. Dingus has standards. No, he doesn't. <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> Dingus like all Avatar. Right. That's all I have to remind myself. Oh, of course, geez. Dingus okay. saw the mechanic. I didn't mean, this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> oh, wait, it is what I Okay, good. Continue talking. No one elaborating. Mechanic. I didn't see it, so you may have to hold my hand, Dingus. Kelly Wombat, you know okay. the real mechanic. Like, you know... Yeah, you've Charles seen Bronson your, and Jan Michael, Michael Vincent. Right, Vincent imagine. Vincent. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of why I didn't want to see the remake, because I didn't really want to see any remake of it well it's one of those remakes that's fascinating to watch if you know the original just to see you know how here's uh, here's how modern studios see these old right. movies uh, and how, here's how they think this is how we're going to fix this uh, <laughs> so Dingus, do you know well, the original guys... mechanic or did you just come straight to the remake uh well i can't i just came straight to the remake and that's what i wanted to say is that i i don't have any uh any way to base the relationship of Jason Statham and uh, Ben Foster against Charles Bronson and John Michael Vincent? I don't know. I don't know how that how those two things work. All I know is that Ben Foster's character as this apprentice with the, a relationship to one of the kills is that guy is so much more interesting to me when I'm watching the the mechanic from 2011 directed by by the way Simon West. Oh, uh, ouch. Yeah. Uh, I can't that, that explains a lot, yeah. All right. Trying to fix a Simon West movie. <laughs> um, but as I as I watch the mechanic all I'm thinking is I just want to I, I'm done with you, Jason Statham. Yeah, go punch some guy. I just want to watch what Ben Foster is doing and right. what he's learning and how he's manipulating you and how he's being manipulated. Because his character and 
again, my my problem with this topic is I don't know if it's just that I'm more interested in watching this actor than the lead actor. Uh, but I would much rather have the mechanic been about the apprentice than about the master. See, because I now know what your other pick is as well, Dingus. Of course, of course you do, yeah. Uh, cause, and these were movies I was thinking of, too. It's sort of like Ben Foster's just so fascinating as an actor that you give yeah. him a crappy little role. Like, I know you didn't see that... Uh, Kelly Wan, what was that thing where he and Dennis Quaid are in space in hypersleep and they get woken up in the spaceship? What the heck was that called? Pitch Black. No. <laughs> Event Horizon. <laughs> You're awful. It's an Event Horizon-y kind of thing. What was that stupid movie uh, called? What's the Guy Pierce one called? Uh, Space Prison. Uh, no, yeah, they're both lockout. Yes. No. What's the? At any rate, it's another one where Ben Foster has a supporting role, and it's just like I just let me just watch this guy. Enemy uh, line. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh, so um. Yeah. So before so you can, give up, can you guys talk about Charles Bronson, the Charles Bronson one? Well, here's the thing: is I am not. I like a couple of guys from the old timey movies who I just don't understand the appeal of. Charles Bronson is one of them. No so, way, you're crazy. I, I might be like Steve McQueen too. I just I don't understand these guys' appeal. Uh, like they're they're awesome to watch, but I'm just like whatever. They, they don't do they don't do anything for me. Uh, so Kelly Wand, you're gonna have to go to bat for the original mechanic. What about Once Upon a Time in the West? Do you like that one? Whatever. Jesus, this movie's too long. <laughs> it's too. It should be called Once Upon a Second in the West. <laughs> no, that's famous. Like that's a famous. You know, it's boring because it's like an old timey movie. But I can appreciate that one. You're weird. Charles Bronson seems like a black hole to me. Other than yeah. other than The Great Escape, which I love. I love See? the use of him in that. It just seems like charisma just disappears into him. I don't understand what the deal is with him. Does he's he work the- in the mechanic? Yeah, he's a mechanic. So that's work for me. Uh, Kelly Wand, don't you think it was kind of cute how Dingus called him John Michael Vincent? Yeah. I, I try to shut that out. There's so much I was already I said yeah. it was Jean. Uh, Dingus, you're going to have to watch a lot of uh, Damnation Alley and that helicopter TV show. What was Airwolf. that called? Airwolf, yes. Hey, uh, Red Sun, it's like Charles Bronson in a Western and... He has to get a samurai sword from Toshiro Mifune, and I think Ursula Anders' boobs are in it. So watch that, dingus. Stop not watching it. They're uh, not boobs, they're pectorals. Oh, good. <laughs> great little Paranorman reference. Dingus beat me. Damn it! Uh, dingus, one of the great things about the remake, I, I say one of the one of the highly amusing things about the remake of The Mechanic and the original one, and Kelly Wan, correct me if I'm wrong about this, the whole twist ending of the remake is completely inverted. Uh, like the the ending of the remake of the mechanic is all about how Jason Statham ends up trumping him and and he gets the last laugh and he ends up tricking uh, Ben Foster and succeeding. Kelly Wan, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that completely inverted yes. in the original mechanic? It has well, much... they both die in the first one. Right, but it's not, you know, where we've got a good guy who completely, like, like Jan Michael Vincent gets killed, but then he successfully kills posthumously by setting him up, Charles Bronson. Like, it ends with Char- Charles Bronson ultimately failing. It's the other way well. around. Jan Michael Vincent oh, right, right, right. He kills the car, him. and then yes. Charles Bronson's voice going, ha-ha, my car's blowing you up, and then he gets blown Exactly, up. whereas in the remake, uh, Jason Statham merrily drives away and wins the day. Uh, who's the character that it's supposed to be about? 
So Jason Statham is the Charles Bronson. He's the vet guy. And then the hot-headed young newcomer is Ben Foster. Right, but who's Dingus's character that the movie's supposed to be? So about? because Jason St- – well, Dingus, you can explain. Yeah, so – confused it's, a, it's supposed to be about the ben foster character i think the movie should be ben foster's movie and not jason oh statham's. i see what you're saying yeah okay jason statham is just a non-entity as far as i'm concerned when it comes to unless it's the movie london when it comes to like acting he's kind of a, a non-entity uh and Wait, even so london- it should be <laughs> it should be ben foster's movie according to dingus yes okay. sorry please back to what you're saying no, which I, I, you know, Ben Foster, and we'll we'll get Michael more. Michael London, Dingus's next pick, by the way, I think. Right. Is, is Jessica Biel the character London should be about? Or it is. It's even named after her. So suck it, because it doesn't even it doesn't even take place in London. It takes place in isn't that like New York City? But it's yeah. about a character named London, just like Five Hundred Days of Summer. It doesn't necessarily take place in the summer because summer doesn't last five hundred days. It's about a character named Summer. You see, Kelly Wand. Whoa. Wait. Did I just blow your mind? It's 500 days exactly? Uh, I think so. I think there's even title cards throughout that stupid movie where it tells you how many days it's been. Dingus, back me up on this. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Kelly One, would you rather watch Chloe Moritz in 500 Days of Summer or Let Me In? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Do I want dog shit in both eyes or in my mouth and both nostrils? That's, That's gross. Let's move on to my number three pick. For uh, the person the movie should be about. Here we go. Uh, I have three that are not necessarily any order. Do you know we're doing a podcast right now? <laughs> have curious. we started recording? No, here we go. So here's uh, this is a this is a beef of mine as, as a huge fan of horror movies. I cannot stand how how many just low budget crappy horror movies because I'm fine with that for the most part. How they just decide. You know what? For our actors, we're just going to cast like young, attractive people, and it doesn't matter if they can act. Doesn't matter if there's any good writing. It's just you know what? Let's just make somebody young and attractive. This is going to be the lead in our horror movie. Go! And I just, I, it's just so lazy. Instead of interesting characters, they just get good-looking characters and I, whatever. Uh, good-looking people, a dime a dozen. I'd rather look at someone interesting. So here is a movie that I want to fix. We've all seen this, by the way. All of mine are movies that we have seen and talked about on this podcast. Here's a movie that I want to fix by making it not about the young, attractive people, and instead making it about a character who gets killed early on. I would fix this movie by making this guy the lead, and the movie would be be told from his perspective. Uh, The movie is called Chernobyl Diaries, and it's about a bunch of kids who are going on in Europe, and they're doing tourism stuff. Uh, They hire someone who, I don't know if this is specified. Yeah, Yuri, who, is it it specified that he's ex-Special Forces? He says that, right? Yeah, and he has big guns. He's, a, he's like a big, muscly Russian dude, yeah. Uh, so they hire him to, to take him into the, the radiated area around Chernobyl, and then things go wrong. But unfortunately, Yuri goes missing early on, and instead we're just left with this assortment of young, dumb, good-looking people. I would much rather have Chernobyl Diaries tell us about Yuri, be about Yuri. He meets these, these young kids and, and then takes them out there. We follow Yuri. You know, he knows what's going on, but the kids go missing. So I, I thought Yuri was a much more interesting character. He was a better actor 
better than any of the awful kids in this. And he was a guy I was like, I want to follow him. I want to know what he's, you know, I want to see him in this tough situation instead of these dumb kids. So I think Chernobyl Diary should have been about Yuri. Uh, the actor's name, I actually wrote this down, uh, Dmitry Dyatchenko. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, from, you know, he's like, he tends to play like Russian heavies in, in action movies. Uh, so I would fix Chernobyl Diaries by making it about Yuri. Why don't, why isn't he good looking to you? Uh, he is, but not, you wouldn't see him in a beer commercial, for instance. You would if it was about like muscle, muscle beer. <laughs> muscle beer? <laughs> yeah. Man. <laughs> What's an example of muscle beer, Kelly Wand? What, what brand would you would you consider is, is those those pussy beers that the young attractive people drink are not for <laughs> such as we, Tom. Accent, Russian accent. Well, yeah. in Russian, we beer drinks us. <laughs> gulp, gulp, gulp. Above. That's I love that. I love that pick because I love the idea of Yuri like trying to build a little campfire and the kids in the background going. Running by, running, running through the frame while he's trying to do things. Well, the thing is, he would. The challenge of the movie would be him <laughs> trying to save them from the stupid kids stuff. Wait, stupid... I like Dingus is better. <laughs> he's making a campfire <laughs> while they run around. Go on, Dingus. Please, Tom, let him see. <laughs> Dingus is on a roll here. Yeah, Dingus, just, quit making just, sense. Let's hear Dingus' campfire this, pitch. This Eddie Izzard, uh, this Eddie Izzard <laughs> bit about them on the moon. This is the one time we can imagine there's we can make a gag about aliens, and you've got the camera set up, and then an alien runs by. Oh no! Oh. And so I, I just like the fact of Yuri doing stuff, and the kids are running around in the background trying to save themselves, and he's like, "Oh, they're stupid kids." All right, Tom, go ahead. I shouldn't stop. See, Kelly, that's how you do a Russian accent, by the way. That's true. I suck. I'm not good at anything. All right, so Kelly, what is your number three pick for a movie that should be about someone else? Don't take this wrong, but I'm starting to feel better about my own list now. Okay. <laughs> uh, my number three is the teenage daughter in Poltergeist who shows up at the end and goes, What's happening? <laughs> I'd like to know where she was at all this time. Because she's been like, gone all day. Like she's been yeah. gone all night or something. She's right? either working or fucking a, a teenage boy. Like it's sex comedy with TV dates or something. <laughs> She's been hanging out at the mall. Yeah, she's been hanging out at the mall. It, it's, any movie would be good, and then it's like comes back. Oh god, fucking Charlie and his pranks always peering at me through his binoculars <laughs> on stilts during the parade. What's happening? And then it's like, then the credits roll. Like, yep, she gets screwed again. All right. But I feel bad about that because that was that chick who got murdered. Oh, Kelly Wand. Ugh. Well, you just they all she... died. There's a curse of poltergeist. I can't. We can't not talk about poltergeist, right? Do, do we know her name? No, because I don't believe in making the victims of murderers into celebrities. <laughs> I think I misread that. But anyway, it's still a principle. That's not has nothing to do with laziness. It's, it's integrity. And so all of Poltergeist three, instead of being a horror movie, should have been about a teenage girl at the mall. <laughs> yeah, Poltergeist 3. Until the very ending, I see, right. The other, other side. Right. Now we're back on the front side. Kelly, that's a great pick. Good work. <laughs> that's my worst one. All right, Dingus, do you have something that can top that for your number two pick for a movie that's not about the character <laughs> that the movie should instead have been about? Good boy, Kelly Wad. Good. He's a good kid. <laughs> okay. Where's uh, your, where's your boy? 
the captain of the ship who wasn't on the prison of Alien 3 when he gets to Alien 3 prison. I should. I think it should have been about that guy. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What the fuck's thing is gibbering about? What the fuck? <laughs> Alien 3? I don't think that was his real pick. I could be wrong. Sorry, that's my runner-up. Um, okay, my number two, I think Tom Can already knows what it is. Can yeah, I guess? Uh, I'm guessing it's the American remake of, uh, or uh, 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 Contraband, the American remake of the Icelandic thriller. Am yes, I right? You're, abs- you're absolutely right. And that, that, by the way, Dingus, is as well as applying to any movie with Ben Foster, any movie in which Mark Wahlberg is the lead. I think right. that could also apply. Right. All right, so tell us about Contraband. That's and- a good way to, to hack the list. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although double, double Jeopardy might apply if you have both of those things at the same time. So it's direct, the, the original. Uh, actually, this the 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 version we did for our podcast is directed by Baltar, Baltazar Cormacor, who was in the original Contraband, um, and the movie is about this dude who has to go and uh, smuggle a bunch of stuff, and he he trusts his best friend to take care of his family, but it turns out his best friend is a bad guy. Um, and I really love Ben Foster. And there's there's this one particular scene with with Ben Foster, who's playing this guy named oh crap, a Sebastian. Uh, and he has this scene with with Jim Church, who's this Scottish gangster, and he's played by David O'Hara, who's this guy I love from oh, yeah. uh, Braveheart. He plays this wacky Irish dude in Braveheart, who plays a Scottish gangster in this. And there's this wonderful scene between the two of them that is so intense and real, and just... And all I could think of was, I want to see a movie with these two guys. Nope, sorry, you gotta watch, watch Mark Wahlberg. You gotta watch more of him. 90 minutes of Mark Wahlberg. It's mandated. I don't want to watch Mark Wahlberg on nope. the ship. Nope. Mark Wahlberg, you get a lot more of him. He'll he'll take his shirt off for you too, Dingus. Oh, okay, never mind then. <laughs> it really is kind of like, does Mark Wahlberg know? Like, it, is he watching the dailies with the scenes with Ben Foster, thinking, "Oh man, like I why should, he ruin my?" Yeah, like I should have cast like Cody Smith McPhee or someone in that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you just made me so depressed about casting in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, wait, which two guys? <laughs> Never mind. So anyway, the the Ben Foster as the as the best friend. I would much rather have seen a dark movie about that best friend character while while the good guys out at sea and just feel this the sense of dread that way. Well, while I like what Contraband is doing, I like the idea of the helplessness if you're on the ship. Uh, but Mark Wahlberg just can't do it, and I'm just so much more interested in what Ben Foster is doing. Kind of like the story. It's like the story of Ulysses in a way. Yeah, uh, you, you know he's at sea, and what's going to happen to his family? Yeah, that's right. Benefits of a classical education. I say, <laughs> I'll get to your name in a concerned nature effortlessly. <laughs> it's close. It's close enough. It'll do in a bind. Uh, Kelly Wand. What? Oh no, it's my pick. My number two choice. Oh, so Dingus. I think I'm going to go ahead and say, if you're going to be watching things like the Mechanic remake, then go ahead and watch uh, 360, that that movie that Fernando Marias did, uh, just for the Ben Foster, because it is it's fascinating how that movie comes alive during its its few scenes with, with Ben Foster. Uh, did, by the way, did I scoop your number one? You didn't watch that recently, did you? No, I didn't. But okay. when did you last bring that up? Because I, uh, I've 
I'm kind of. You told me not to watch it, but I've, I'm really tempted to just watch it anyway. Well, you know, yeah, if you're going to watch stuff like The Mechanic, then yeah, you might as well watch 360. Uh, I don't see movies where the title implies you end exactly where you started at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, like an Xbox. I just love Ben Foster so much. I could watch anything he's in, and I want more of him in the movie. He's you know, just so he, good. He should have been the lead in Forty Days of Night. No, Forty Days of so- what the what's that vampire Alpha thing? Dog, he should have been the lead. Oh, uh, <laughs> what's that vampire thing? Where Josh Hart Thirty Days of Thirty Days of Night. That's right. A good, that's a good one too. Right. It's like no, we're gonna you're gonna watch a lot of Josh Hartnett. We'll mainly we'll show you a couple of Ben Foster scenes, but mostly here's some Josh Hartnett. Enjoy. You know, the Wait. only movie I might not say that for, and that's not because of Ben Foster, but before because of how the movie is structured, is 310 to Yuma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, plus, who are you going to depose, Russell Crowe or, or Christian Bale? You can't do right. that. Right, yeah. right, right. So. Uh, all right, so here's my number two. Uh, again, this is a movie we saw on this podcast, uh, and I think it's largely because of the actor, but this is also, I'm giving notice to Nicolas Cage. Mr. Cage, if you're going to be in movies and not freaking care about what you're doing, then we're going to instead make the movie about William Fickner's character. Uh, in, in Drive Angry, uh, William <sighs> Fickner plays this awesome like accountant guy who has who, uh, got some sort of supernatural thing going where he's here on behalf of the devil to make sure everybody's accounts are settled. And he's he's sort of the equivalent of the Terminator, to whereas uh, Nicolas Cage is kind of the Michael Bean. That doesn't really apply, though, because... Uh, because uh, Nicolas Cage has escaped from hell, and it's some boring thing. He's going to save his granddaughter, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Nicolas Cage, completely uninterested. He's there for the paycheck. The movie is, nevertheless, still pretty energetic, and it's especially energetic when William Fickner comes on screen as this weird, uh, demonic accountant guy. Uh, so I think Drive Angry should just put Nicolas Cage in the background, if at all, and let us just hang out more with William Fickner. Oh, I love that pick so much. And like what's the name of the... the Sunshine Band? Remember? That's right. He's like surfing on a tanker full of ethanol or something to a little KC in the Sunshine Band. Yeah. Sorry, what was that? That's okay. No, no, it wasn't even KC in the Sunshine Band. Like re- it was a remake of that, wasn't it? It was a cover song. I, think, I don't think they got the rights for the original. Yeah. yeah. But what's the name of the, the waitress girl from Eastbound and Down? Oh, 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 oh. Katie Mixon. Yeah. Oh, Katie Mixon. Oh, the, the scene with, with uh, William Fickner. Oh, I love so, Katie hey, that's so much. It should be those two. Her, right. who also seemed a little uninterested in the show, with Katie Mixon. Uh, have her be the love interest for... And you know what? If, if Nicholas Cage... No, even even just as it is, just have her be a love interest for Nicolas Cage. She can take up the, the energy slack. Let's or, just take Nicolas Cage out of the movie. Can we CG him out of there? Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I did kind of like the uh, the sex foo scene where he's having sex and fighting. I don't know what you would yeah. actually call that. Uh, where you stay. I like it in slow motion, though. I kind of wanted to see what it really would have been like. Have you ever done that in real life, Kelly Wand? Uh, I've shot guns with chicks on me, but I wasn't having sex with them. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Wan, what is your number two pick for... This movie shouldn't have been about that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which character was that? Was that a was that an African-American character, Tom? I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just reading the name of the 3x3. Three three. I hadn't... I, shit, that What's up? What's up? Maybe. Um, my number two. I'm feeling. I'm feeling worse about my list now. Thanks. You guys had uh, good number twos. Uh, my number two though is the Omen. 
What? Character. What? what? Who else is the only going to be about? Because it should be God should be in it, but he's like a bumbler, like Inspector Clouseau. Like, oh, check me with the. He's got the crow killing the lady and. The, no. Okay. Yeah. So God, because in these movies, in the seventies devil movies, right. There's no. It's always like the devil's in it, but God's never in it. What about Oh God? But then the devil's not in it until it's God too. What about my dinner with Andre? <laughs> See Kelly Wand. I don't understand you jokes. It's too hard. <laughs> is it one of them? Hard. Isn't the reveal that like one of them is Satan at the end of my dinner with Andre? No. What are you talking about? Oh. He baked. I just thought that that would be a cool thing. That they, I mean, they just... I thought there should be a twist at the ending of it, and that's the twist that I would have assumed it would be. No, the twist is like, they hey, pay Wally the check Sean... if they go home, and he's on the bus going, that was a neat dinner. Wally Sean, does it turn out to be like, is he a ghost, even? Is there something like that? Does it turn... Everything... Yes. Does it turn out that, 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 that he's traveled back in time and he's talking to his own father? Oh, by the way, at the end of Armageddon, there's a twist. They find out that the asteroid was only as big as Maryland. <laughs> So, it's not even they funny. That's, they didn't need to use as much explosive, and Bruce Willis could have lived. By the way, William Fickner also in Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's another awesome choice. Thank you. Damn it. All right, my list is terrible. But still, God in Legion, too. Huh. Oh, wait. Wasn't he in Legion? No. Yeah, Paul Bettany played God in Legion. That's not the Legion he's talking about. <laughs> What Legion you No, the one with the shark teeth pop. Yeah, Paul Bettany oh. played. Didn't Paul Bettany play God in that, or he was just an angel? Okay, whatever. He, yeah, he played in, uh, uh, Gabriel. Gabriel. He played Gabriel. Okay, totally different. I thought Kelly Wan was talking like about God's the Legion, the Exorcist Legion. Oh, right, right. Yeah, Kelly Wan might bring something That's like that. That's not a movie. It's a musical. You sing it. <laughs> Dingus the worst podcast ever, huh? Well, wait, we get to Dingus's number one pick for. That should have been who this was about. Wait. Okay. That's... All right. Yes, Kelly Wand? I... That's not as black as you sounded earlier. I don't, I don't know why you think I was... I can't... Uh, I, Dingus, uh, that was not... I was not doing any sort of an impression. Kelly Wand, when I do an impression, you'll know it. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to talk. Dingus, what is your number one pick for... For... Great movie. Shame about the choice of lead character instead of the other one it should have been about. Okay, that was black again. <laughs> Too black. Here's my black, Kelly Wand. That was Malcolm X. Here, here, here you go, Kelly Wand. Here you go. I'll get to your name in due course. Oh. All right, Dingus, what is your number one pick for... That's not the dude it should have been about. <laughs> okay, instead of doing a line, which I could do, right. uh, since... Wait, so yeah, what's the fun of that? Since Tom already did a clue from it when he was talking about my number two and, and his own number two, I'm going to just uh, recycle something Tom said and let him guess it. Okay. You can't replace Christian Bale as the lead. Dingus, what? Is he, Kelly Wand, is he going to like pick Dark Knight or something? Oh... I thought it was going to be uh, American Psycho. It's not then Empire of the Sun. But then Tom started talking about uh, Drive Angry 3 and comparing characters to... Video games. 
Yeah. What? All right. Here's the here's the quote from it. Then. I wasn't really listening to Tom. Sorry. What is it that makes us human? Uh, what equilibrium? I didn't see that one. All right. This you is want, Tom. You want, this, oh. this is Tom's favorite director. His name is McGee. I didn't see this movie except for the breaks. Yes, you did. Oh, you, oh, you didn't see the movie. I didn't see the whole thing. I can't watch the whole thing. It just it, it kind of zone out. It's hard yeah. to watch. It's hard to. I, did, I didn't even know that Dingus saw the whole thing. All right, so Dingus, go ahead. Pick on McGee when he's down. He, by the way, that was all the studio. I like that I Dingus re- thinks that's what's missing from Terminators. It's just about the wrong guy. Everything else is good. <laughs> Action totally holds up. <laughs> the other brown-haired white man i totally believe that that uh the movie i saw could have been much improved because the first time i heard about this movie was in tom uh was describing terminator salvation as this guy walking out of the desert who doesn't know what he is and uh the idea that the movie could have been totally about that as this guy walking out of the desert who doesn't know what he is and doesn't know what he is for the whole movie uh until something happens to him and that that there's no john connor in it whatsoever that john connor is just this mythic figure and he doesn't intrude upon the movie at all yes i'm i'm talking about a movie that has sam worthington oh excuse me yeah yeah excuse you it has sam worthington as its central character instead of uh christian bale so there you go Wait, there, Ben Foster was the witch Terminator in that? Yeah, he was the witch Terminator. That's weird. <laughs> There's a witching Terminator. He and did he the voodoo. Spells on, yeah, right. he does voodoo. And yeah, then he, he does this whole he thing where he makes the, the doll's neck. Yep. Dingus, is there any movie with Sam Worthington in the lead that does not qualify for this topic? He's the Australian Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> That's generous. <laughs> Take that, Australia. Uh, uh, when I, don't know. I can't you believe Dingus has a strong enough memory of that movie. I really liked a lot of what Terminator Salvation was trying to do, and I felt like it was constantly struggling under the weight of John Connor in a submarine and John Connor doing other things in submarine crap. And he's I, in a I don't submarine? Well, maybe he's not, but there's a submarine with Michael Ironsides in it. Um, but I really liked the idea of of uh, Sam Worthington's Marcus coming out of the desert and not knowing what he is, and that being this part of the Terminator story. I much I would much rather have the the story been about Marcus than it had been about John Connor. I don't want to know about John Connor. I don't want that character to be brought into focus in that way. I want him to be this mythical figure. I, I Do you want to know more about yeah. Sam Worthington's character? Yeah, I want to know more about Marcus. I want this this Jeez. this idea this this guy who thinks he's a human and finds out he's not at this weird moment. I really like that idea. This and is by the, the way, weirdest thing Dingus has ever said. No, 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 no. Okay, so Kelly Wan, consider too that in the original Terminator, you can get bad actors to be Terminators. That's okay. Bad actors make great Terminators. Arnold Schwarzenegger, for instance, he was He's great as Terminator. He's, He's as good as he can be. Right, and that's fine. Just because he Terminator. forgot to turn his headlights on doesn't make him a bad actor. So Kelly Wan, you can also have Sam Worthington. <laughs> Sam Worthington was born to play a Terminator. No, he was made yep. on an assembly line. <laughs> and he's not saying he wants it to be more about Sam Worthington. He wants it to be more about Sam Worthington's character. The dude who Sam Worthington happens to be playing, and it kind of works because the dude's a robot, so fine. You're not going to get a Paul Walker caliber performance. You don't need one for a right. Terminator. Well, I just thought it was weird that he, he, he didn't pick Avatar as his Sam Worthington. Defense. Who would you rather Avatar be about? 
Kelly wants to think of any other character in Avatar right Giovanni now. Giovanni <laughs> Ribisi had an interesting perspective. Ah, very good. Very good, Kelly Bond. Yeah. He knew what's unobtainium. Uh, he didn't know much about it. But he knew it was important. That's a good point. And that could be dragged out a little. Uh, all right, are you guys ready for my number one pick? I think you guys will both like this. This is strictly a matter of the actress. I had no idea who the actress was when I saw the movie, but I knew enough at that point to realize, movie, you should have been about whoever that is. Later, <laughs> I then realized who that was when I saw the HBO series Girls. I haven't ah. seen Furniture yet, but the fact that I was able to pick out Lena Dunham as being far more interesting than anybody else in Innkeepers, and she didn't even have anything to do with the, the eponymous inn or with keeping it or with a ghost or with Kelly LeBrock or any of that. Or no, uh, Kelly McGillis. She didn't have anything to do with anything. Kelly about LeBrock. <laughs> that would have worked, too. But but Lena Dunham's character didn't have anything to do with anything in the movie, and I still recognized that movie should have been about her. She is far better than anything else the stupid movie showing me. So Innkeepers should have been about the coffee server played by Lena Dunham. Getting haunted or just serving coffee? Just serving coffee. One of the people she can serve coffee to is Sarah Paxton, who gets haunted from an inn down the street. That's fine. What but about Tin Tin? Tin Tin, does he come? Yeah, if he comes in for his own coffee, give some to Pat Headley, I think is that guy's name. Sure. Let that guy have some coffee. Uh, and I just want to know, you know, what else is she going through? What's down with her? Well, I like this for the same reason I like the Yuri pick, because they like all this stuff going on in the background when she's yeah. making coffee. Yeah, see? See? And you can get more of that when you watch Girls and presumably Tiny Furniture. I like to think of Girls as a spinoff of The Innkeepers. Uh. All right, Kelly Wand, what do you got that tops that? What's your number one pick for... I wish there was a girls movie. Uh, I understand Tiny Furniture kind of is, which I haven't seen, but... Oh, that means something? I thought you were just... No, Tiny Furniture is a movie that Lena Dunham did before she did Girls for HBO. And uh, nobody's seen it on the podcast. We No, nobody on the podcast has seen it, but it's only because I realized that once I have seen that, I will have exhausted Lena Dunham's body of work and oh, I could never exhaust that body. You know, I, I don't want a girl's movie any more than... I don't know how you feel about this, Tom, than I want an Arrested Development movie. I don't want that. But you want to see more of the actors. And yeah, it, but it, I, I like it at the at the size it is. I don't want it at a Sex movie. Sex in like. the City, there was just more story to tell. <laughs> Kelly Wand, don't, don't ruin my case. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't... If they want to do it movie length, that's fine. I just want to watch these people doing these characters. Uh, what about I, the 24 movie? Is there a such thing? I don't know. People talked about it without snickering, and I'm like... Will it be called 2? Or 120? <laughs> Or zero. (laughs) (laughs) What is your number one pick for? This isn't the right character this should be about. I know what this movie about. (laughs) Is that what you meant to say? Something like that. Oh. See that too. Yeah, you're stuck talking like that for the rest of your life. (laughs) My number one movie about the wrong character, this is the wrong movie, is. The guy in Dark Knight Rises that Bane says no to. Like, <laughs> that's Jesus. the end of the movie, but you see him in early life, like he's leaving the other gangs because they don't let him kill himself. And then he finally climbs through the ranks like Scarface. 
And then finally, when Bane tells him no, it's like the greatest moment in his life. And it's like he's hearing Silkwood sing Amazing Grace as the fuselage plummets. And so much like that's the he gets his 9-11 moment. Kelly, do you have like a fish tank going in the background? (laughs) It's too soon. It's like a fish tank without fish. Uh, all right, runners up. I was. I turned I was, my fan on, but then since I thought it would interfere, and you'd think it was me patting the microphone, I t- turned the fan away from myself. So it's not doing anything name? except. <laughs> uh, for, for runners up, I was I was actually literally going to say pretty much anything with Bon Ben Bon Foster Bon Jovi. <laughs> bon Jovi. Every movie should be about. Bon Jovi. I agree with you, Tom. It's the smartest thing you said. What was, Hope, Hope floats. That would have been a good one with Bon no, Jovi. No, what was the, What was there? Was a good one with Bon Jovi. Uh, is it? Is he? She, he's not in that opposite of uh, anger thing. Dingus, is help me out here. You, you five. No, not that one. Not the stupid submarine thing. There's something where Bon Jovi is like a love interest, and it's like a. What the heck is that? Dingus, this seems like something you would know. It's not Hope Floats? No, it's it's some guy... Something about a maid. Where he plays it, where he paints. What's yeah. the one where the guy from uh, Sync or New Kids on the Blocks on the Chicago train, the one who was gay? In time? On the L. <laughs> There's a train that's gay? How do you make a train gay? No, it's blind. Wait. I mean, anyway. What was uh, the runner-up? Nothing? Oh yeah, so so other runners up. Uh, anyone? I've got one. Um, uh, Chris Cooper's character in American Beauty. I don't know how I feel about that. I might have to reject that one. Kelly Wander, you're the final arbiter here. Is that a, does that qualify for runners up, or are you turning him down? What part of the movie was Dingus did Dingus feel cheated of? Like what part of that guy's life? Yeah, what more were you going to see? He seemed like a pretty one note character. I think well, we saw all the high what... points of his life. What? <laughs> I want to know what's going on in that guy's life. I don't want to see a plastic bla- plastic flag like flying around. This pla- no. Oh, that guy. What? No. What? Um, <laughs> what's he? Come on. I don't know. I've already voted no on that, accepting that one. It, all it takes is another vote from you, Kelly Wand. I vote uh, the West Bentley character in P2. Or P3? What is it, Tom? The parking structure movie? Yeah, forget how far down the parking structure that movie goes. I'm going to say P3. P2 seems like it would be a little too close to the top. Uh, P3 seems like just deep enough for a movie about a a demented parking garage attendant. So I think P3, yeah. Uh, What about Human Centipede, like the cops who show up? Go, all right, what's your story, lady? And then... (laughs) Kelly, how do you feel about It's only a two-minute-long movie, but it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> oh, yeah? Uh. How do I feel? Are you going to make it... Are you scared? Oh, no, I just... Scared uh, to say what you're thinking? That's oh, that's that's awfully abrupt. That's an abrupt way to play the audience over to Dieter Laser's plot in Human Centipede. Well said. Yeah. How about the, the sheriff who shoots the guy in Night of the Living Dead? I think the movie should have been about that guy. First of all, it's not a sheriff dingus. It's like a militia group, I believe. Yeah. It's just a designated law official. I don't think it's a designated law official. It's just a bunch of like rednecks out in the backwoods of Pennsylvania with guns. What about that fat sheriff that James Bond, Roger Moore, was always doing car jumps with? Like the, the hillbilly guy. Yeah, that's right. It was like James Bond in Louisiana, wasn't it? Yeah, that guy should get his own spinoff. Like every week, ten, James Bond yeah. fucks up his life again with another car. <laughs> what the? How about Tempest Bledsoe in Paranorman? It should have been about her. Who is that, by the way? 
So That's when I saw it, there was show. oh okay, yeah. there were people in front of me, uh, mm-hmm. and when they were sitting through some of the credits, I let, as I was leaving, one of them said out loud, "Timbus Blitzo," like when her name. <laughs> oh, and the same voice you use when announcing <laughs> <No>. <laughs> movies about the wrong character. I don't, that's what they said. I'm just repeating you what I heard. Know who it was, but he remembered the name. I did not. Well, that's a you can't. For, that's an incredible it is name. An interesting name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's yeah. I I don't know what to make of that name and. Um, so she was from Cosby. So was she like the wife or something? She who was, was the middle child who didn't have any storylines. Oh, one of the kids on Cosby Show. All right. Well, I'm glad she's still working. She was the not hot Lisa Bonet sister. She was the one who just went, uh, stupid life on the show. That was her uh, character. Kelly One, uh, how excited are you about Pitch Perfect at this point in time? Like on a scale from one to infinity. Wait, that's the Jennifer Aniston movie? Ugh. <sighs> I don't think you should be on this podcast with other people who like Anna Kendrick as much as we do. I don't think. Oh wait, wait, wait! It's one about the midgets. Oh God! (laughs) What's wrong with you? Speaking of midgets, I did watch a Hobbit trailer. What? I I I mean Hobbit trailer. I know what's going to happen. I just want to (laughs) see. Don't worry, kids. Those dwarves all have their very distinctive personalities over three movies. You're fine. Hobbit trailer. You like Philly and Killy and. Wailing now. What do you see him? They do that. They do like they have Ian McKellen going rapid fire through the names, and they flash up their faces. I get the sense from that trailer the whole movie is just them singing in the kitchen. (laughs) That's all they show in that trailer, and it's like been two years now, and I've seen, I've heard the fucking song. And that one guy, the Thorin character, doesn't even look small. Is he like a normal sized dwarf? Uh, I don't know that you can have that. I think that's called a person. Yeah, it's just a human. (laughs) Would you guys stop talking about this? The it's, poster it says an unexpected mind, adventure. Why does it say an unexpected it, adventure? It's because it should be long expected. No, because Bilbo doesn't think he doesn't know that he's going to do this. Yeah, he's I all, know that. Wait, but, I'm doing what for my birthday? I'm going to a cave to do what? What are you guys right. talking? Why can't yeah. they just call it there and back again? Stop it or there because, and because it's a two part movie. The three second part, person, maybe. three part. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, he's all look. I got oh. too many things to do. You know what? I don't even want to see a two-part movie, so I'm just going to skip it this year, and I'll see it when they're all done with it and they're all available at once. What happens in the middle where we're going to go, oh, I can't wait to see how they get out of the barrels? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Dingus, get us out of here. What is next week's three-by-three? Let's stop hating Peter Jackson movies. All right, so I've been uh, I've been at a family wedding all weekend, and so uh, for next week we're going to talk about our uh, top three uses of alcohol. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like his lead in on that. That's good. All right, uh, isn't that so? We, we already talked about by this idea. We talked yeah. about drugs once, right, and this right. is just this is singularly involving alcohol Liquid. because I saw a movie uh, for I, I watched a movie for this podcast, not not that we did on the podcast, but to prepare for it. And I love the way this character used alcohol, and I wasn't oh, expecting it. No, it's and Arthur. It's the remake of Arthur that Dingus It's the talking. remake of Arthur, and I loved that. Russell Brand. And so uh, it's your top three alcohol in movie. All right. Interesting. Uh, next week, we are not going to see, I don't even know what's opening next week, but we're going to see a little art house movie that you might have a hard time finding. Uh, I think I speak for everyone on this podcast, this is a minor spoiler, when I say that we heartily encourage that you track this movie down. It's called uh, Beast of the Southern Wild. It's in very limited release. If you can find it, 
Check it out and join us next week. We will also be having a very special guest. You'll have to tune in to hear who that is. But it will actually be a three-by-four next week for best uses of alcohol. Uh, and we will be seeing Beasts of the Southern Wild. Join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian McClansky. It's actually Christian Murawski. Mm, I don't think so. And Kelly Wand. Heron alcohol. <laughs> Heron alcohol. How many anecdotes does Canada offer? I have a surplus. It was a very busy week. All right. Uh, what's your what's can anecdote one? number two? Yeah, three. I think I did two already. Because one was the right. recycling thing. Uh, so I read in a Canadian newspaper that a uh, homeless person with an apron handed me at the SkyTrain station that Vancouver has dropped from the most livable city to third. And then. Mm. They had like an interview with the Canadian. He goes, the difference between first and third isn't that much. Or tenth, eh? Third's pretty darn good. <laughs> and then I was all... <laughs> Livable's a word? Well, Dingus, we've done another podcast together. I guess we've thought a lot about our lives. Perfect. Now the geeks are in charge.